we'll put a pin in it and and we'll get back to uh, my bound for glory experience uh because the great the great jack evans is here hey what's going on how you going how you doing oh, man, sir? I'm, i didn't mean to interrupt the story i was trying to be uh punctual no no you're fine it's a live show so you pop in we put a pin in it that's how it works. Oh, okay. Well, now I want to hear the Bound for Glory story. <laughs> okay. So um, I went to Bound for Glory. Uh, yeah. And I brought my middle daughter. I have three daughters. Um, they're all kind of in wrestling, but my middle daughter is really into it. And I took her to Rebellion, and now we went to Bound for Glory. So, And I don't tell her who to cheer, who to boo. She just decides on her own. Well, for some reason, yeah. uh, when Bully Ray came out, for oh, I know what it was. So, uh, spoiler alert: if nobody's seen Bound for Glory, uh, Bully won the gauntlet match. He can call a shot. So he comes out at the end when uh, right after Josh Alexander won. So Josh Alexander's in the ring, and my daughter just had some real un uh, polite things. She's ten. Unpolite things to say to Bully. Now I didn't hear them because I was flipping Bully off. Um, but my brother who watched it on TV said, uh, what does she have against bully Ray? So I'm going to have to go back and watch it, uh, to hear it. But man, it was a phenomenal experience overall impact, uh, touche to impact wrestling. You spent some time in, was it TNA then or impact? Uh, well, I've done a couple shows since it was been impact, but. Like when I first started, it was it wasn't even TNA. It was still like total nonstop action oh. or whatever. NWA. So I've actually done yeah. during like every iteration when it was total nonstop action was TNA and when it was Impact. So, uh, but you know a- what I think it might be is in all honesty, not to diss the guy, but Bully Ray does kind of just have that vibe of someone that like like he lives up to the name. You know what I mean? So I could see her daughter just being like, "Oh, I don't like that guy." Yeah, he just gives that vibe, stench. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, he's a natural heel, a natural heel. Yeah. For sure. Um, someone in the chat uh, is screaming Blitzkrieg with a lot of exclamation points. Now, I heard you talk about I, this in other podcasts. I personally cannot recall who Blitzkrieg is. Well, he was only in WCW for a little while before okay. he got injured. And then WCW ended up getting bought out by uh, uh, WWE. I think it was WWF at that time. Mm-hmm. But he was just a guy from SoCal that Conan discovered and there's just uh, he had his debut match against Rey Mysterio on a I don't I think it was a Nitro it might have been Thunder but I'm almost positive it was Nitro and like just right from the get go I like loved the guy and then he mainly was like a Saturday night guy like you barely ever saw him on the main shows but he was just that first guy that really started adding a lot of twists he felt like like he was almost he's basically like the American Hayabusa almost but even wow. a little bit more advanced with his high flying so like I just fell in love with him. And then years later, uh, he had retired from wrestling, and he gave me his gimmick, and I was Blitzkrieg 2 for a while. Nice. So. Nice. I'll have to go back. Uh, in today's day and age, you can just go back and find everything. I don't got to trade any tapes with anybody. Let's go right on YouTube. No, no. That's, oh, were you a tape trader back in the day? Uh, uh, semi, uh, mostly with Ring of Honor stuff. Um, okay. So I, I guess I wasn't tape trade. I was more of a tape orderer. Oh, but man, you, you used to have to wait. I'm talking. It would take like 12 weeks sometimes to get whatever you ordered. So yeah. all of a sudden, it, something would come in the mail, and you'd be like, "Man, what the hell did I even order?" Like I'd forget. <laughs> yeah, 
It's like when my wife gets Amazon packages on the doorstep. She has no idea what it is, when she ordered it. It's a, it's a joke, an absolute joke. Um, first of all, thank you for giving us your time tonight. Uh, what would you be doing? Uh, I'm, what would you I'm doing? a little bit low energy. I've been feeling super sick. Actually, I was like deathly ill right up until this podcast, and like gave me a burst of energy. So I should be thanking you. Oh, okay. you sure? You all right? You need some water? I mean, I can't get yeah, any. No, but... I've been drinking a crap ton of water and tea and just honey and like every little uh, remedy or whatever, like home remedy you can think of. Well, Vanessa in Ontario tells me uh, tea with honey and ginger. That's that will always help you. Yeah. I think, yeah? yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I have some manzanilla tea, and I definitely have honey. I don't know if I have ginger or not. But. Um. But so yeah, so like uh, we talked about you in TNA, all the iterations. Uh, you mentioned Conan. You've been in AAA, Ring of Honor, uh, most Lucha Underground, which is one of my uh, favorite. I guess I can call it promotions. Uh, and then most yeah. recently AEW. Um, in the overall twenty year span uh, that you cover, I think it's about twenty years. Um, twenty two, I believe. I'm on. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Do you go back and like reflect on it? Or do you, or do you not do that, and you're just only looking forward? Uh, I honestly don't really go back and reflect on it much, unless someone brings it up. But it's not because like I'm only looking forward, guy. I just kind of like uh, whatever happens, happens. Like you know what I mean. I'm just always looking to the next booking or whatever. But when I do reflect on it, like I was like, yeah, there's been some good times and everything. So that's actually why I like a lot of these podcasts or whatever because. It brings up like these nostalgic memories that, yeah. like, in all honesty, I wouldn't remember on my own. Like, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's uh, what is that playlist? Um, how uh, how is it? How Jack, Jack Kevin's dead. dead? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> okay, so oh, for, yeah. first of all, we want that playlist to continue going because if that playlist doesn't continue to go, then that would mean that Jack Kevin's has died. <laughs> That's a good point. I did. I was like, wait, why would you want that to go? And then, okay, yeah, actually. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because then it would be like, this is how Jack Evans died. Yeah. You don't want that. The, <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the end. So uh, we want that series to continue. Um, it, it got me thinking, and I guess, I guess it's because it's in the back of my mind because uh, I'm a sports fan, football type of guy. Uh, concussions are a big talk, not only in wrestling, uh, but in all sports, uh, especially football, most recently, um, yeah. Do you like have an over under on how many concussions you've had? Have you had a lot? Do you know? Do you? Uh, how's that work? I don't have an over under, but if I had to count, I believe, like for sure, like the signs, like being woozy, vomiting, or whatever, that I've had five. <laughs> so, like now, uh, back in the day, just no one thought of that, right. and like. As crazy as it sounds, like, you could maybe have a concussion and, like, if it was on a run-in or something, and you'd still wrestle, like, yeah. that night, you know what I mean? So, now, though, I'm, like, if I have even the slightest bit of any kind of, like, head, I don't want to say damage, but, like, I get rocked in the head or anything, I'm super paranoid about it. So, uh, which is something that's definitely improved in wrestling, because, yeah, before, you just never even thought about it. But what I always uh, think about is... 
I've always done some dangerous stuff and everything. And, but the people that used to just consistently take chair shots right. and like chair shots, they used to be just totally not worked. Like guys just swung for the fences. Cause at one point, like ECW, they like people would hit each other so hard with the chairs they'd like bend Oof. and that became the thing like you wanted to get a chair to bend over a guy's head right so like then there were some of those hardcore guys back in the day and everything and i, I just i wonder like what damage that had and then a lot of them like even went on like not to bring up like uh macabre stuff but like some yeah. of them went on to commit suicide and yeah. stuff so i'm like i wonder how much uh, of uh i wonder if that contributed at all or something you know what i mean so but now i'm super super fearful of concussions and like yeah i'll i'll straight up cancel a show if like yeah, i feel I'm, my head got hit too hard or something and i, I just, back in the day it just wasn't the wrestling culture like yeah. even if you knew you had a concussion i don't know how to explain it but it just wasn't considered that bad it's like oh i got a bit rocks don't worry about it you know what i mean like yeah. and it wasn't people being like mean and trying to put pressure on you like toughen up kid it was just like that's just how it was considered you know what i mean because if it wasn't like an injury that was instantly like this non-stop pain the people would be like oh yeah just walk it off and go on you'll be fine you know what i mean you, you didn't actually think about the damage stuff was doing even if it wasn't necessarily you know continually hurting and, and I think that that is uh, across the board at all sports. Like it's not something very visible that you can see right away. Uh, yeah. The, the effects might happen uh, the next day, a few days. Uh, and I, I just think we've made a lot of strides since then. Um, and I just uh, wrestling aside, I think that's across the board with that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it got me thinking. Yeah. But no, the embarrassing thing is because now that you think about it, it was like, how did we not take it seriously? Like, that's your brain. You know what I mean? Right. But like, right. so, so I know that probably like a younger generation is like, were you dumb? And like, kind of, because like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, like, even though it's your brain, obviously that's probably the most important organ. I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, like, uh, you just, you didn't, like I said, because if it didn't, if you weren't in pain at that time, right. you're just like, okay, I'm fine then. You know what I mean? Like, you just weren't thinking about content or you weren't thinking about like, the the damage the long term damage. Um, you mentioned or we mentioned. Uh, oh, hello. <laughs> um, we I usually have my 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 kids usually show up sometime during the show. Although I think they're all asleep. Uh, we had a oh I told you we had bound for glory. We had a real busy weekend, so I think I think I'm lucky tonight. Um, <laughs> but uh, we mentioned Conan earlier. We brought him up. Um. What uh you know he he's done a lot of stuff with you in AAA and all over the place. Uh, what is what is Conan, uh, aka K Dog, uh, mean to you? Uh, how has he influenced your career? Um, well, a just giving me the opportunity to come to Mexico was like a big uh life changer for me, especially because it happened right after I had broken my face and I had to get this major surgery and I lost my job in Japan and everything. And then he just kind of been like, I, I like, I'm not even joking, like the older brother that I never had. Yeah. So he's kind of just been like this generalized guiding influence, which actually maybe not a good thing, <laughs> you know, Conan, but yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's just always been like the older brother to me. Well, I think there is an angle, uh, that I heard about with you and Conan, uh, in Mexico, I believe. Uh, something to do with a a uh, deceased guy's ashes. 
Um, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. We, on camera, in a hoobie, it obviously wasn't really his ashes, right. but Maricela, like the, the current owner of AAA, yeah. she would carry her brother Antonio's ashes everywhere she went. So we did an angle where we stole the urn, put him in a hookah, and smoked it. So we, But the thing is, is that like what really honestly broke kayfabe in Mexico was the movie The Lucha, uh, the, Lucha or whatever, the Wrestler. Right. Like it, it, Kayfabe was actually still pretty alive and well when I was first in Mexico. So there was uh, there was one time at like a, in a little town somewhere. There was this lady that was obviously a huge Antonio Pena fan, and she's like, "Oh, how could you see that? You spoke his And I was like, "See, yes, Rico, like it was delicious or something like that. Like just you know, trying to be a heel." She went back and got her whole neighborhood, and I believe it was Joe Leader that was with me. Like I, I was actually about to sit there, like, no, we need to talk it out with him, Joe. Like, what, what are they doing? Like, that's like, no, 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 no. You need to go. You need to go. Like, this is serious. Like, they, they don't understand what you did. So they actually had to take me to the wrestler bus because this lady was so pissed because she shoot thought that we had smoked Antonio Pena's ashes. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, I kayfabe was still alive in Mexico at that time. For real. Yeah, for for like especially those small towns, it yeah. really was. Um, we mentioned Ring of Honor. You were at Ring of Honor, I think, during one of um, I I would say one of its most historical times uh for the company. Uh, what do you have any fond <clears throat> memories? What do you what resonates the most with you from your time there? Uh, well, just my generally, well, it was just overall a good time. It was a you know really good locker room. Had a lot of friends there and everything. But just wrestling wise, I think my time with Generation Next because wow. that kind of it, it put me on the map a little bit more as being more than just the double moonsault guy or whatever. So and uh, I just it just was like a really good group. We really clicked. It was like. Uh, an era and like angle that just I'm really proud of. Uh, so I would say just overall my gym next time. And then past that, it was just a really fun time in general. Yeah. Like um, just, you know, behind the scenes, dressing was really good locker room. There wasn't very much, you know, like politics and yada, yada, yada. Do you think there's a lot of politics and yada, yada, yada? Or is there too much of that in wrestling today? It just depends on where you go. And in all honesty, it depends on the level you're at. Once you get up to the star level, yeah. there always is. Like, yeah. just wherever you're at. And you know what I mean? Like, from AAA to even AEW, which has a really good locker room, to, like, actually, maybe not modern-day Impact. Strangely enough, when I when I was in Impact, when it was TNA, not Total Nonstop Action, yeah. but – uh Eric Bischoff, NWO just returned or whatever. It was the lowest locker room morale I had ever seen. So I don't, I don't want to say necessarily like politics, you guys, but just everyone was so unhappy. And then you flash forward today. Yeah. I think Impact right now might be the most cohesive locker room I've ever seen. Like everyone just kind of just gets along and like, I mean, they just seem like straight up friends and everything. Yeah. But for the most part, at the like star level, you're uh you're always gonna get the kind of politics but what's actually better now than ever is when you go below that the mid card level or whatever you don't have guys like trying to not sell your stuff as well or cut something of yours out or anything so i'd say overall the level of politics and wrestling is has decreased like you don't have guys really trying to eat your like everyone's trying to get everyone over 
Um, uh, Lucha Underground, which uh, when I mentioned at the start, uh, was one of uh, the bre- – I, I don't know. I loved it so much. And going back and trying to watch it, I still enjoy it. But it's very interesting because I heard you in another podcast say um, – and it might have been on Conan's podcast. Like it was way different than like any wrestling promotion because it was uh, Hollywood. It was a TV show. So you weren't signing yeah. – uh, explain, elaborate on that. Explain that to to us. Uh, a Hollywood well, contract and, and all that. You have a contract in wrestling. It's either you know you have a contract, you're exclusive, but you're still actually on a, a per show basis or whatever, so you get paid when you wrestle, or you have a salary. But right. with Lucha Underground, you got paid by the season. Except they called a season, they called it a cycle, and so like. No matter what you did, they could not use you at all or use you a trillion times and you got paid the same or whatever. Uh, but if but uh, they like if you were there for six cycles or whatever, there is an indefinite amount of time between each cycle. So like there is one time where between I'm, I'm just going to call it a season because I hate that cycle yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But so there's one time between I think it was season two and three. There was like a year and a half layoff. So you're not getting paid at all for them because you're not doing your season. So, but then they would kept saying like, "Oh, you got to take this month off because we're going to tape this month," and then they wouldn't. And then, "Oh no, you got to take this month off. This is the month we're going to tape." So, like, it started to create a little bit of bad blood because wrestlers would be like, "Man, I can't just right. take off this huge amount of time, not get any bookings," and all of a sudden you're like, "Nope, like we're not actually taping that uh, <laughs> month or whatever." So like that was the one of the weird things about the contract is that just how they paid you. And then another thing is with it, like for me, it was fine. They just used me a, a, a good amount of time or whatever. But for guys, certain guys, they would just run them ragged and they didn't get anything. They didn't get a uh, bonus money or, you know what I mean? Cause they are they're just whatever that you got paid for that season. You got paid for that season. So I think with certain guys, like I want to say Ricochet is one of the guys they kind of did that to, where like they're like, man, you have me wrestling like all these matches, like every taping, and there's really no benefit for me. You know what I mean? And so I don't know what he was getting paid or whatever, but there are certain guys that felt that they were putting in more work than what they were getting paid for the season. And they kind of felt blindsided because when you, you, you know what I mean? Like, if you sign a contract for, with AEW and you're on salary, you don't think you're going to be wrestling two or three times a show. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have my one match and the next week I'll have my match or whatever. But if all of a sudden AEW started being like, hey, John Moxley, you're wrestling three times every show, you know, he'd be like, wait, 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 wait. Like, this contract isn't working for me now. And so I, I think there are certain things like that also. Again, that didn't affect me, so it's kind of more hearsay and then what I remember hearing. But, uh, but yeah, just the the Hollywood contracts really didn't work with wrestling, or they needed to be just switched up a little bit at least. Yeah, it's it's odd because I remember, I remember Lucha Underground in my my brain. I only remember two seasons of it, and I'm not quite sure. Sure, I think there was a third, but I don't know how many more after that. I believe there was a fourth as well. But oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. 
I'm really trying to say that right after the podcast, become an emergency. Uh, I believe there was a fourth as well, as well, but I left at the third. You left at the third. Um, was it okay? Maybe not for you. Maybe you don't know how to comment on this, but you said, let's say it was seven seasons. They try to sign you to a Hollywood contract for seven seasons of this show, and you want out after the third. Is it hard to get out of that deal? It was for everyone else, but me and Ivelisse had a giant fight, and they were just like, okay, yeah, if you want out, you can get out. Like, <laughs> you do so it was – Ivelisse saved me, actually. Uh, and so you know, yeah, after we had this giant locker room fight, I was just like, I'm sick of that. And the thing is, actually, uh, it, I was just having a spaz. I didn't really want out at that time, but then it ended up being the wise decision because then – I don't know what happened between the third and fourth season, but things went really wrong between the wrestlers in the office. And uh, so many wrestlers, like they were having to call this dude, Kevin Kleinrock and like getting like lawyers involved and everything. So for a lot of guys uh, and girls, yeah. for a lot of people, uh, uh, it, it became such a hassle to get out of the contract where for me, because of my giant spaz, they were just like, okay, yeah, you're gone. Well, well, so well, even well. though actually, and like when it happened, it was just me throwing a temper tantrum. I didn't really want to leave. Uh, it, it ended up being one of those like things that worked out. Wait, so you and Ivelisse got a, a physical confrontation? No, no, no. Just yelling at each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I want to fight Ivelisse. I think she could be my woman. She is a scary woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say, that would have been the season finale of. Why is yeah, Jack yeah. Evans laying lifeless on the floor in the locker room? What happened? <laughs> we can even least got him late. <laughs> well, he got in an argument with Ivelisse. Yeah. That explains it. Yeah, uh, you know that I really would. You ask anyone, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense." Dang, I'm surprised he's still alive. Um, you mentioned uh, salary contracts. That leads me to AEW, which you uh, uh with in Helico. Uh, TH2, you were like, you guys were, now correct me if I'm wrong, uh, one of the first, like in the inaugural season, you guys were one of the first people, uh, you know, hooked in there to AEW. How did that even come about? Um, uh, just one day the Young Bucks sent me an email and then, <laughs> and then Helico as well. And then we was like, oh yeah. And then like, especially because I'm trying to think think if I had ever been on a salary before that, maybe, but for the most part, well, I guess kind of, no, WSX actually was on the uh, the season pay too, but it, it just worked out better somehow than it did in Lucha Underground. So that was actually, I think, the first time I was ever on a salary. So if, when I was like, wait, wait, I get paid even if you don't use me? Like, nice. yeah, sign me up. I didn't even read the contract. Like, But uh, so, you know, it was, uh, if Young Bucks just... Uh, I guess recommended us to Tony, sent us the contract, and it was a pretty simple process. Uh, salary contract, uh, you know, kind of like uh, the NFL, guaranteed money, uh, whether you, you play or not, I guess, um, is a blessing in disguise. And I think uh, you you haven't uh, shied away from, from saying uh, how maybe you took that for granted. Uh, can you elaborate on that uh, with us here? Um, well, at first it was, I was just fine with it. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it was just like business as normal, but then I had a four month layoff from when they closed the border, uh, from COVID 
and I didn't want to leave Mexico because I couldn't come back. And yeah, so that makes sense. I, I'd leave my family in Mexico, but it just it wasn't happening like that. So I, that four month layoff, and I'm like, I always thank AEW on that one for just not releasing me. Right. And then right when I got back, I had one match, and then in practice, I actually broke my cheekbone. Everyone said it was my job, but it was my cheekbone. Uh, and I had another like month and a half or two month layoff, and I just got in full lazy mode and then uh, like I never got out of it. And I really blame that on because the the salary contract, you know what I mean? Cause when yeah. I got in full lazy mode, like you can like look at my trajectory uh, in AEW, you can see when they start using me less and less and putting me on dark and everything. And it was when I got into lazy mode, but since I'm still getting paid, like my mind just didn't register it as how, like bad my wrestling had straight up gotten you know what i mean yeah. whereas if you're on per match basis and all of a sudden you notice you're not getting booked as much like you go in emergency mode like oh i gotta fix something we gotta turn this ship around because this isn't working for me so that that was actually the curse for me was that it, it just it made me complacent and it made me not realize like i go back and i watch some of my aew matches like after that like uh, layoff and everything and like i just straight up like was bad and, and it just didn't register to me again because, like, you're still just making money. And so, the, it, it, like I said, it was a gift and a curse because obviously being on the salary what was great when I had that four-month layoff and I couldn't come to America. But then it, it also was the curse when, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it should have been obvious the office was not happy with my wrestling. And I was just oblivious to it because, like, you know, I'm still making money. Right. Uh, you had a phenomenal match with – Kenny Omega, uh, and it was at this time uh, where you were complacent. Um, but you know, you said it; you were complacent. I think that match could have been, been so much better. I'm so happy that people put over that match, but I'm telling you, that right. should have been one of those right. ones where, like, freaking Dave Meltzer is jerking off to it or something. If we would have done everything that we could have, yeah. but we we did <laughs> had to just cut so much stuff. Cause like I just got blown and it was, I was just so out of shape. Like I, I, I don't think I was physically out of shape at that time where you could notice it. Like there was right. at one point I start wrestling with a shirt on, yeah. but I was, I, I hadn't gone to wrestling training. I wasn't really doing any kind of training at all or anything. So like yeah, that match should have been something special. And so I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And I thank everyone for putting it over, right. but it should have been a six star classic or whatever. Like, Oh, so it's my most disappointing match that I've ever had that people liked. Like, <laughs> what's your? So you're obviously in, as you put it, lazy mode, uh, complacent. You have a match with Kenny Omega that people like, but you're definitely not satisfied and know you can do so much more. What's your mental health like at this moment? Um, well, for a little while, I, I started to like, oh, man, I need to improve on things and blah, 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 blah. And so I, I got like a little temporary boost of motivation, I remember, at that point. But then I just fell off again. Like, so, like, mental, I wasn't like depressed or anything. Like, mental health uh, wasn't suffering like that. But it, it was like, I, I don't know how to explain it. it just, it, it's one of those weird feelings because it was a wake up call, and then it was one that I ended up just ignoring after a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, there you go. There's there. See, that was a phenomenal transition because I was going to go right into mic work and promo stuff. Um, so well done. 
uh, by whoever that was by cutting a promo. I believe, um, and I've heard, I, I went back, I think I listened to Conan's podcast, and he, you guys talked about um, a promo you cut on uh, uh, La Parca, not the La Parca, but a La Parca. Um, and yeah. I was like, wow, holy crap, Jack Evans is good on the stick. And I, I think maybe if we got a little more of that, and I, as far as AW goes, maybe if we got a little more of that, uh, the trajectory could have gone a different way. A lot of things could have happened. Um, do you feel you're uh, – because of the moves you can do and do do, do you think uh, you're underrated as a mic guy? I actually do really feel I'm underrated on the mic. Not that I'm like Ric Flair or anything. Right. But I feel like I can cut a pretty good promo, but no one ever hands me the mic. And I'm sorry, to just go back to your last question yeah. on the mental health thing after the Omega match, I was like, I actually remember how what happened. I went through a shoot, a long period where uh, just filled with self-doubt. I actually totally remember that time now. I'm sorry it took me so That's long good. to get it. But no, actually, right after the Omega match, I became like hugely down on myself as in like – just absolutely filled with self-doubt. And uh, uh, so, like, yeah, I, I just want to just add that in. Like, yeah, no, I actually went through a little bit of time where, like, what, what is it? Like, I was, all, like, the most anxious I've ever been before every wrestling match because I was just so, like, I can't do this anymore. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to mess everything up. I'm going I'm to blow up. Blah, 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 blah. And I actually became, like, yeah, like just ultra nervous and paranoid before every match after that Kenny Omega match. And then, sorry, to fast forward it, uh, yeah, I do believe I'm underrated on the mic. Like I said, not the absolute craziest. You're going to get these, like, you know, uh, uh, Ric Flair promos or anything, but I do think I should be handed the mic more often. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Conan was talking about a, a Mortal Kombat promo on Ricochet. Where was that? Was that Lucha Underground? Oh, yeah, it, it wasn't actually in the ring, though, <laughs> or, or, or it wasn't for wrestling. But there was one time where Ricochet had just fought, I believe it was Mortal Kombat 10, it might have been 9, I don't remember. But I went on this crazy win streak. It was literally, it was over 50. I remember there was 33 games, uh, 33 wins in a row, and then I took a little bit of a break, and I came back, and I think it was like 20-something more. But I, I always... Increase it. I always say like, oh yeah, it's ninety three wins in a row or something. It wasn't, but it was over fifty of nonstop wins with everyone in the room. No one could beat me. No one could beat me. So then I I uh, I cut a promo on Ricochet about Mortal Kombat. I don't even know where it is, and but it, it was a pretty good promo for like you know just being between right. friends or whatever. But it wasn't anything like. <laughs> uh, you're, you're but Ricochet actually. He went home and he played the ever living crap out of that game. And the next taping, he just came, he got revenge on all of us. But when he, we first played it, when we first played it, I was by far and away the Mortal Kombat king. Who do you uh, who do you use in Mortal Kombat? Uh, I'm usually almost always a Sub Zero player, but on the latest one when I was playing it, I switched to she's like this blood mage named Scarlet or whatever. But uh, in that one, I was using Noob Cybot because. Uh, since I had never played it, I didn't know any of the combos. And right. he was one of those guys that had like square, square, square as a combo or something. So I, I just instantly like would, you know, that da, 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 like button mash that. Like, um, Hurricane's Cape in the chat says his Scarlet is trash. Yeah, it is. Hurricane's Cape is like this semi pro Mortal Kombat player that I played with. 
shut up, Kane. Shut up. No, man, oh, man. That was, we used to do this thing where I, when I'd stream, we'd do, like, Fighting Game Friday, and then it would be Mortal Kombat Sunday. And Fighting Game Friday was Tekken. And at first, we were all around the same skill level. Then all these crazy Tekken players invaded us and just murdered us. But on Mortal Kombat, on Mortal Sunday, uh, Kane and this other guy, I don't remember who it was, they would come in, and it was the same thing. They would just murder the crap out of us and then talk to such trash. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, you guys, you're like literally like semi-pro players, like really, really good, full combos, like these wall juggles you've never seen before. And so, yeah, my Scarlet is trash in comparison to him. <laughs> um, and that is on <laughs> twitch.tv slash Jack Evans official, I believe. Yep. I actually haven't been streaming recently, uh, so, but I'm getting back. I'm going to be getting back into it. Um, You mentioned on Chris Van Vliet's uh, podcast and probably others as well, but I listened to his, uh, that maybe retirement is in the near future. I personally don't want to see it because uh, I want to see the mic given to you, uh, custom promos. Um, Are there are there plans? Like, what's the plan? Do you, do you even – have a plan is there plans to train coach stream what's the gimmick yeah that's the thing i don't actually have a plan but the the thing is my body for how because i'm 40 now so my body i actually feel like it's held up really really well but at the same time uh i I don't want to overdo it where then all of a sudden uh later on in life like walking with a cane or something like that so there's no actual retirement plan it kind of just feels I'm kind of just feeling out how my body feels. Like right now I feel, well, I'm sick, but like physically I feel very good. So, you know what I mean? Like I I feel I can still go or whatever, but it is one of those things where when I start feeling like I'm getting kind of rickety, I don't want to keep pushing it to the point where like, like I said, where down the road, it really starts to affect like, you you know what I mean? Like I can't tie my shoe or I walk the cane or something. You know what I mean? Like, Um, you uh, in re- in researching you and preparing for. Oh, did it freeze? Uh, you you froze. I can still hear you. You're back. Everybody, oh, sorry, sorry. It's just a party. Buenos right noches. Buenos noches. Look at that. That's way. That's this is way. That's way more fun. What are they? Uh, Buenos noches, mi amigo. Buenos noches, amigo. <laughs> I don't know why he's talking like that. <laughs> now I wish my kids were here. They're not. They're sleeping. Yeah, we can have a little conversation. Podcast 2.0. Yeah, podcast 2.0. Um, I always, uh, in research of you, uh, I always, I think, I, in hearing you talk, I relate you to like a... Uh, a pitcher in baseball. Okay. So in baseball, this pitcher, Pedro Martinez, played for the Red Sox. He was dominant, had a fastball, was dominant, came at you hard all the time, went nonstop. As he got older, couldn't do that anymore. He learned the psychology of pitching, learned a changeup in a curveball, and extended his career. Um, and I see. I see things like that for for people like you, people that go hard, um, because give you the mic, let you tell a story, 
with your words, uh, with your in-ring psychology. Do less of the uh, El Generico moves, the Jack Evans moves. Uh, do less yeah. of those and extend your career. So that is what I see and what I hope. Yeah, I've actually been kind of going that way because, like, I've been going to a lot of Sky Day training uh, and everything to kind of get more of, like, those Lucha submissions and everything because I actually do want to switch my style up where um, I avoid a lot of the – like, still do the high flying and everything, but, like, there used to be a time where I do a lot of, like, 630s, no one's home or, like, like Phoenix flashes from the top and everything, and those are actually what really wear down your body and everything. So I, I am trying to work a little bit more on the psychology of wrestling and everything to specifically be able to still get, you know, a good reaction from the crowd, but not necessarily just from a big stunt like that. Yeah. So it's still keep like a lot of like the, uh, my style a bit with the high flying and everything, but definitely mix in some extra stuff with it. Uh, just like you said, because uh, eventually like with the Peter Martinez, if you've a, you're throwing a crazy fastball all the time, eventually your shoulder's just gonna, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't be throwing, however, hundreds many pitches a, a game, and, and you know half of them are fastballs or whatever. So uh, I am actually trying to go that route a little bit. Nice. Um, couple interesting things I learned about you. You were involved in a project with Eric Bischoff and uh, Jason Hervey. Hervey, I think is his name. Uh, yeah. Wayne from Wayne from Wonder from the Wonder Years called yeah, that's Matt, yeah right called Matt Rats. Now now let, get me correct me if I'm wrong. Matt Rats, T.J. Wilson, well yourself, T.J. Wilson, Davy Boy Smith Jr., uh, Natty Nightheart, uh, and others. Don Callis, Joey Styles uh, on the on the on the mics. Uh, why did why didn't that work or did it work? Um, I think a lot of why it didn't work in all honesty was because they were actually trying to, instead of like going the normal wrestling route, they were actually trying to almost do what like WSX Lucha Underground did ah. and get right on a TV station. So they had these little tapings, but they were never really, uh, put out to the, the wrestling world. They were more, they were. Their tapings were they were trying to sell them to these TV stations or whatever. But the number one reason is uh, uh, Jason Hervey worked for Mandalay Sports. And when we did one Matt Rat show for him, it just knocked it out of the park. Like it was like, uh, like uh, I, I don't know, like just a, just a crazy everything came together style show. But then he actually brought one of uh, but it was in this little, little studio. So then they rented out this place in Calgary called The Palace. And he brought all these network executive, or I don't want to say network, executives from Mandalay Sports or whatever. I, I can't remember like who, but, uh, and, and we, we always call it the palace show. It didn't actually have like any kind of name, but when everything's on the line, you have all these executives there to see the product. You've never seen a bigger abortion in your life of a freaking wrestling show. And it just went horrifically. So I always think that if that palace show had gone good, it would have blown up more, but it just, it was like the complete opposite. The smaller show, we had a home run and pressed Jason Hervey enough for him to go back and like, hey, hey, maybe they got something up here in Calgary. And when he brought the people up, it just was the It was so bad. It was, oh, how can you turn this on? It was so bad. And then uh, there's a guy, Graham Owen, that uh, 
was funding a lot of it uh, through what was the name of that company? Oh, oh, oh thank you. Buenos noches. Uh, Digital Artisans Guild was the name of the company. Well, it turns out later there we they were trying to re, re, uh, revive Matt Rats or whatever, and he was actually going to come down to L.A. for a WSX taping, and we're all waiting for him at the airport. He never shows up, never shows up, never shows up. It ends up that he got arrested and spent seven years in jail for drug smuggling because he was a pilot and he was low radar flying like amphetamines and crap over the border. And that's how he was actually making his money to uh, uh, fund the show. So after that, it was just, it was over. It was over. Yeah. Oh my God. That is insane. Um, And he was a really nice guy. I never would have known like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. it was like out of left field. Like what? Graham was smuggling amphetamines, like or the precursor to amphetamine. Actually, I, not, I forget what it was called. Maybe it was ephedrine. I don't remember. It's like uh, it's like a Dark Side of the Ring episode. It could be. I think it could be. I'd be interested because I don't actually know the details. I just remember he never showed up, and then it was like, oh yeah, he got arrested. Like seven years in jail. I actually saw him once after he got out and everything. And uh, I, I think he ended up moving to like the Dominican Republic or something. I can't remember. But <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to bring up because I thought it might. Ha- oh, I know why I thought of it. Uh, DX had her twenty fifth anniversary. We saw Sean Waltman last night on Monday Night Raw. Uh, you um, <coughs> and Mister Xbox himself lived together in Mexico. Um, were you able to yeah. pick his brain? What, uh, what'd you take away the good and, or the bad, uh, give us a little on Xbox. Um, the, you could definitely take away the good and the bad because Xbox is just so open about his life and his mistakes and everything like that. So like, um, I, I definitely learned as weird as it sounds. I, mean, I always feel like when I'm talking about Xbox, it sounds like I'm talking crap, but I'm really not trying to. Right. But to definitely make sure you're family orientated, because one of the things you could definitely tell that he regretted the most was that like he got a bit into drugs and everything. And you could tell like one of his biggest regrets was he wasn't there for his kids for yeah. a lot of the time. So like there, there were little life lessons like that, that you could just take away from him. And, uh, but in the ring, what I always tell people is, I never learned to do it, but he was so good at it. Was reading crowds, nice. like it was one of those things. I would go out and I, I'm talking six thirties, twisting moonsaults, yada 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 yada, and like you get in a golf clap, and then the Xbox would like do something where you get a guy to full Nelson. The guy would put his legs on the rope, and then when the ref counted to four or four, he would let go, and the guy would like back bump comedically. And it would just get this giant pop, and he was, and like it, he would like he tried to show me how he's like, you can just kind of tell like how the crowd is, like in a small town, it's a big show, like price sets like expectations, da da da. So, uh, so I never learned to do it, which I should have. But he was just a genius at being able to read crowds. He knew when you had to go hard or when you didn't. He knew when to do comedy or when to do you know anything from chain to flying. Like so, he, he was. Definitely, and that almost went over into like how he was in real life. Because right. I swear to God, Xbox can like read people's souls. Like if I think a guy is great, and then all of a sudden Xbox would just be like, "No, I don't think he's a good person." Like I trust his opinion over mine. Like I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like he was really good. 
like people person in a way and like just a lot of like life experiences and everything and he, he just went through so much that like it kind of taught you a little bit not not even necessarily in wrestling but just in life in like life. kind of the minefields to avoid the mind minds to avoid in the minefield or whatever <laughs> uh as far as in the ring do you believe in x-pac heat Maybe at one point there was uh, X-Pac Heat, but I think that was more just because uh, he got such a rep- bad reputation outside of it. Yeah, After that one appearance yeah. where he showed up all messed up, well, it looked like he was all messed up. I actually think he says he wasn't with the the China thing on some reality TV show. Yep. And I, I so I, I think it was actually more than X-Pac Heat as in, like you're bad, we don't want to see you. Is then more we don't like your out of ring personality. Like he was almost the first guy to get canceled, and he canceled himself. Yeah, like I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, but from everything I've heard you say about him on other podcasts, and everything I've heard him say on his podcast, uh, uh, he's he's very self aware. He he's come around. Uh, he I think he's mis- I think he's misidentified. Bless you. Um, sorry, I'm so sorry about no, that. No, 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 it's fine. There's, there's been nights I've done this show where I blow my nose on a towel all night. So I, totally, <laughs> I totally get it. Um, but we're nearing the end of the show. Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. Uh, you, you seem to me like a phenomenal family guy. Uh, uh, I try to be. Yeah, and uh, my, my question is in. And I'm a big family guy, and and my kids are are getting into watching wrestling, going to wrestling, as you heard earlier. Um, are yours? And uh, w- what are you gonna do if at one time they come up to you and say, uh, "I would like to train and 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 go this route." Obviously, you have to support them. But I kind of want to push them away from it a little bit. Just because it's such, it's an industry that like is such a roller coaster. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it can be that you know what I mean. You train for a year, you get signed, and everything's good. Or it could be like you're grinding it out for years. Or like you know, it's just it's such a what's the word? Like it, it's just like such a random industry to be in. Right. But I, I would absolutely support them. But I would kind of try to push them away from it. But uh my daughter whenever i take her to her shows like she always puts on the sexy star mask and she does a little like fist pubs and afterwards she wants to wrestle with her brother so i'm I'm a little bit like man i think i might have that conversation when she's a bit older where she's like you know what i want to try this luchadora thing because like she gets really into the shows like but the weird thing is it on tv or if I put it on the computer or something, yeah. I actually find wrestling is like this, though. It's just so much better live. Yeah, I, but, I, uh, I agree. I agree with that. But, but like, on TV, it doesn't keep your interest, really. But then live, yeah. she is glued to every match. Like, she wants to know why this guy did that to him, why her, she did that, blah, blah, blah. And, like, so uh, I, I, I think I might be having that conversation <laughs> later on in life. Where, uh, like. How old like, is she? She loves Lady Shawnee and Sexy Star. She's seven. Seven. Okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah so Se- Sexy Star. Oh man, she she. Uh, I haven't I haven't heard of Sexy Star in years. Well, well, she took off the mask. She's Dulce. Okay. Now. Her real name I can't remember. Right. So uh, yep. but, yeah, she's still around. She's still kicking. 
But her that was her favorite before. Her new favorite now is Lady Shawnee. Okay, Lady Shawnee. I'll have to check her out. Ma- uh, Lady Shawnee is the coolest mask. She looks like Katana from Mortal Kombat. Uh, okay. Triple Triple A wrestler. Uh, 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 yep, Triple A. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome, great stuff. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, my kids are in the gymnastics. They love to. First of all, they fight anyways. All three of them all fight all the time. <laughs> um, they're in the gymnastics. Uh, they sadly uh can do moons. Not sadly, it's awesome for me. But they have uh, perfect moonsaults that they have practiced off of our porch onto snowbanks. So uh, oh, no, I may oh, have no. that conversation. I, I I don't I don't know. I'm not a wrestler. I've yeah, never been... At least one of them is you. You're you're cursed. At least one of them. Yeah, right. You, who knows? Maybe all three. But at least one of them. One of them is going to get the bug. Right. And watch too much wrestling with you. And be like, Dad, you know what? I was looking it up online. Yeah. I found this school. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to Bully Ray's school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they might be going to Bully Ray's school. I'm like, no, no. You go to Devon's or you don't go to any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will disown you if you go to Bully Ray's. <laughs> Screw Bully. Anyways, uh, Jack, I'm going to uh, – you're, si- you're sicker than a dog. You've given us uh, uh, way over the, the time we asked for. Uh, it's great, greatly appreciated. Um, oh no problem. You're easy to talk to. You're a great guy. Uh, I feel like we can go all night, uh, but I will let you go. Um, but before doing that, I'm going to give you the mic, and uh, I I'm going to be the first person to actually give the mic to you uh, to yes. speak. Well, the, the only thing I have to do with the mic right now is I have to plug that if for some reason you're in Mexico City this Sunday, I will be wrestling in Arena Nessa. But uh, October 23rd in Tennessee for Black Harvest. Uh, I will be there along with the, it's actually a really big show. It's pretty star studded. So if you're in the Tennessee area, I highly, invi- uh, highly recommend that you come. You are more than invited to come cheer on Jack Evans and boo Juventud Guerrera. Oh, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that's all I got to do with the mic right now. I just got to plug a couple things. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted you to do. Um, spectacular. Look at that. Yep. yep. Yeah, we're good. You're good. Have a great night. All right. Have a good night. Yeah, peace. Thank you, man. See you later. Later. Spectacular. Great stuff.